Hassan, how did you find today's episode of 115 Miles? I loved it. Uh, it, it you know, it asked me to dig deep and be vulnerable. Um, I'm getting more comfortable with that, but I think it was a really powerful conversation. Yeah. Talking about um, being a father and, you know, exploring that together, but also being able to connect that to just, you know, relating as a human society community. Um, I think it was a really, really powerful and enjoyable conversation. Yeah, I'm liking the new vulnerable hass that's showing up in these podcasts, mate. I really am. It's good. It was uh, it was really good and powerful and meaningful to, to, to hear you explore some of the things that you did in the way that you did and the way that we both did. And if people enjoyed it, uh, they should come and join the community at 115 miles pod and leave us a review, but not on Spotify because you can't leave reviews on Spotify. Terrible. Something Terrible. that we found out very recently. Uh, but enjoy this episode and we'll see you again very soon. <laughs> This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different, but we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. <laughs> I'm going to throw you straight in at the deep end today. Oh, uh, nice. I like it. Two weeks ago, you talked about how overwhelmed and stuff you were feeling. Yeah. And uh, I feel like you were making a semi-commitment to creating a bit of change around that. So how's that been for you in the last two weeks? Yeah, good question. Um, it's good. Yeah, I, I, I had already, as I said on the pod, I had already started the journey. So by the time I communicated, I'd, I'd already made some decisions, but... Uh, this weekend, uh, had a dad and son weekend, went to see my mum in London with my boy, and then we went to the Science Museum on Sunday. Why are you laughing at? Why are you smiling at <laughs> I just sounds really nerdy, but um, no, it was <laughs> that great. That doesn't sound nerdy at all. No, no, it was good. It was good. Sounds and, nice, mate. But also just a lot more rest, recuperation. What was lovely is, we, like, it, it's obvious that people, it's not just me and you talking into the ether, because I had lots of people going... And how are you? <laughs> uh, uh, afterwards, which is lovely, you know. So um, we're doing something right. How was it when people were asking, how are you? Did you feel a bit like, I'm all right? It was just podcast content. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it was all fake, <laughs> fake news. Um, no, honestly, I was, I, I was touched. You know, I was touched that people took time to ask how I am. Yeah. I think that's really nice. So it was benefit in putting it out in the world then that you felt overwhelmed in the way that you did? Yeah. So, and you, do you feel less overwhelmed now? Yeah, I do. I genuinely do. And I don't know if it's because I talked about it. I definitely think that had a, a, a part to yeah. play. Like w when you stop carrying it inside, um, it definitely, definitely makes a difference. Do you know, I think that's massive, right? And I don't think it, I don't think people recognize that. We do a lot, I think, as people of thinking that because we kind of are doing it in our mind, that means we're doing it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's a, the, uh, John Bradshaw says, uh, there's a line up. There's a line for uh, a door that goes straight to heaven, and there's a queue for a door that goes to learn about heaven. And everybody's queuing at the door to learn about it, rather than actually just doing it. Ah, yeah, yeah. And I think we do that a lot, don't we? Yeah. Rather than and getting it from in here out there is so so important. That's why I think like writing can be really useful, yeah. particularly on like a really nice iPad with a special 
protect on it that I've just bought. You've been trying to sell me the, the virtues of digi- moving to a digital notepad. I'm, I'm not fully sold yet. You're getting there, though. Yeah, I'm more Do you know what there I think the I biggest benefit for you would be? That you won't get smudging ink on there. Yeah, because I'm a lefty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know you was a lefty. Do you know who else is a lefty? Um, Barack Obama. Yep. All right, cool. What's, what's Jimi he Hendrix, doing? he was a lefty. Oh, okay. There are loads more that I can't remember at the moment, You've but they're all good them, people. Right? Two at the moment. Yeah, Barmo good ones. And, and Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. yeah, we'd make a good band. <laughs> <laughs> what would you be called? <laughs> Presidential. Hendrix. Lefties. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I look forward to the, to the new single. Well, uh, it won't happen though, will it? Because unless we can posthumously bring uh, Jimmy... Oh, back. Tupac's still releasing songs, mate. Oh yeah, just get some of his old unheard exactly, footage. Yeah, Recon- and me, me and me and uh, Barack drop a few bars. Yeah, over it. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. You can recondition it now, mate. I grew up with my stepdad going, "This song ain't new." I've turned into your stepdad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. tell me this is new. Oh. This was out in 1974. This is just reconditioned. Crap, smut. He would say. Yeah, I, I don't have the same tone as your uh, stepdad, but I'm doing the same thing with Nora. She'll play a song and I'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. Smut. No, I don't. No, I don't. Do My stepdad isn't Phil Mitchell, by the way. <laughs> well, you made him sound like he was. Do you remember the other one, Grant Mitchell? Do you remember the Grant Mitchell episode? Oh, I'm in here. It was... That was, a, that was my favourite episode of all time, I think. <laughs> if you haven't got to the Phil and Grant episode, go go back and find it. It's brilliant. Good, mate. Good. I'm feeling very chilled out at the moment this morning. Almost hazy. There's a different feng shui in the studio today. Describe it for those people that are listening on the airwaves, Josh. That feels like it's a bit darker, does it? I don't know. You're feeling it. I'm not I'm feeling not the convinced. difference. You said these lights were here last time. I don't think they were. I think they were. All right, cool. Uh, Good story. <laughs> Mate. I'm feeling chilled as well. You know, I think I think it is uh, my body signalling to me and my mind signalling that we're sort of starting to approach the final straight of the year. Yeah, I feel like it, yeah. And I know that I've, you know, part of my, part, you know, part of what you asked at the outset is how do I, how am I going to do some self-care around, you know, feeling overwhelmed? I've already made the commitment that I'm going to take a long break over over Christmas um so um I think that's it just feeling like that sort of we're now yeah. I mean there's still a lot of work to do to get there but even just mentally being able to see the what's finish. the long break mate what is a long break at Christmas uh three weeks oh wow you're gonna take three weeks off oh that's is that a bit long you're smiling I don't know I just don't know if yeah you're gonna, that's... so when you're breaking up uh we'll break up on the like we got like a uh, a team get together on the 20th uh, in London and that's it I'm so done. you're not going to go back to like mid-January? Yeah, the second week back in January. Wow. I think, is that right? Yeah, around okay, the 10th or whatever. Nice. Nice. I know me though, I'll get, I'll get itchy feet and I want to come back. So I've got to really be disciplined. You have to be there. disciplined and switch off. Put your out of office on. It's not called an out of office. Somebody messaged us um, on Instagram and told us it's not an out of office. Yes. What should it be called? I can't remember. Off of work. Huh? Off of work? No. All right. Well, don't try and remember it because I can see in your face you're not going to remember it. I and, can't, and no, you're, and I you're, can't we're going to have dead air while I you're trying to remember. I can't remember who messaged it, neither. Okay. All right. Okay. 
You can find out later. I've not got my phone next to me. I was going to frantically check as well. So apologies to whoever it was. I can't even remember if it was a man or a woman. Okay, well, find out for next time. Which is a nice segue, Hass. Do you know what I saw on Twitter today, this morning, when what? I was coming in on the train? What? The Brits are going uh, gender neutral. I saw that yesterday. Uh, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how do you feel about that? I think it's great. Yeah? I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah? Why? There's no need for it. There's there's nothing to separate men and women in artistic endeavours. Mm. So you shouldn't have categories. It actually, when you... So I saw a dude talking about it on Twitter this morning. And actually, when you look at it, it's it's quite bizarre that it's still male and female, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's like... Because we, we don't separate the chart, it. Yeah. And we imagine don't, if the charts were like it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to listen to Just Men today, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It just yeah, doesn't yeah, work yeah. Like that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if um, political lefties were like number one in the men's charts? <laughs> Presidential. Oh, so Presidential lefties. Come on, man. Come on. We're all, we're all presidents. I'm a political lefty. Actually, I don't know if I am anymore. No, I am. It's a bit confusing sometimes. What is? You. You're, you're I'm politi- political. I'm politically homeless now, mate. Yeah. That's how I describe myself currently. That's shocked you. Everyone it? needs to get Joshua home. <laughs> we should get you... We should get you a fireside with Keir Starmer and then Boris. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what? I, I, I know you've got something planned, but I'm really loving how much heat Boris Johnson's taken at the moment. Do you know what? I've deleted all my news apps and I'm yeah. so I've had them deleted now for about two weeks. Yeah. I've, it was one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. Honestly, for yeah. my like well-being and my mental health, yeah. it is like one of the best things I've ever done. Do you still look at Twitter? Uh, Yes. That's, same thing really isn't it um yeah not as much not as much because i've n- in the past i've i for the last couple of years i've only really used twitter to look at boxing stuff so it shows me mainly boxing stuff right with the odd the brits have gone gender neutral so i don't look at it too much no and actually like i see sometimes they have the news on in um in um in like the gym and stuff yeah and i i see it and i think i get so pulled into it yeah so quickly yeah and it can ruin my day. Yeah. I don't really watch the news. I only read one uh, newspaper, which is The Guardian. If anyone was confused about <laughs> which which way I uh, lean politically. But, um, and I often find I skip past the news bit and just go to sport or entertainment or yeah. cooking, actually. Cooking? Yeah. <laughs> sport or entertainment? Or cooking. Or cooking. Or cooking. Another question for you. One more little topical thing that I want to talk about that I saw come up again on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter that only shows me boxing stuff. Yeah. Do you watch Squid Game? Have you watched Squid I Game? I haven't yet? yet, no. Okay. Probably saving it for my three week break. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen any of it? Do you know the do you know the the No. No. This isn't gonna be a good segment. Fuck it. I I have I've, I've p- p- deliberately tried to stay away from it. I know that I know that it's uh been pretty big around the world. People are mad for it so me and leah watched the third the first episode um it was awful and we were told the first episode is awful you have yeah. to stick with it then yeah. we watched the second one and i think about half of the third one and that was it yeah uh, uh you're not I, persevering no nah, it did, wasn't, didn't call you no nah. and i think once you've seen that one bit anyway you know the premise of the idea of it so, is it a bit like battle royale type sort of thing i don't know what battle royale is this is not going well is it um, <laughs> 
<laughs> What's that, WWE? It's like a... No. <laughs> um, it's like fight to the death, last one standing type thing. Yeah, but basically what it is, is like the real... It, the, 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 the notion behind the story is that the really rich people in the world take a load of like lower, mid to lower class people who are really struggling financially and pit them against each other so it brings the worst part of them out. Oh, just yeah. sounds like the world then, basically. Well, exactly. And yeah. that's and that's yeah. the notion of yeah. the, the yeah. whole idea of it. Yeah. Do you know who Chrissy Teigen is? Or Teigen? Uh, John Legend's wife. Is that who it is? I think so. Good, because i got no idea who it is. Yeah. Uh, but she had a Squid Game party. Yeah. Did you see that? You got a long bit of hair on your beard. <sighs> yeah, there you go. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, she had a Squid Game party, did she? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, she did, yeah. Um... And there's been huge backlash about it. Why? Well, one oh, person. Oh right. Why do you think that? Because she's what? a wealthy socialite um, doing basically. Yeah. She's a parody of herself, basically. Well, someone said, Chrissy, you are literally one of the ultra-rich people from the show. Maybe don't spend thousands on recreating a show where lower-middle-class people are forced to become the worst versions of themselves. Right. I yeah. think that's so stupid that yeah. she's getting heat for that. Yeah, I agree. Like, so stupid. She's just having a bit of fun. My son dressed up with Squid Game on... And by the way, most of the people that are giving her heat for it are probably, like, middle class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no idea what <laughs> like, it's do, like. Do, do, like, a, um, a location check, and they're, like, in uh, yeah. you know, Highgate in London. It, this is where it starts getting silly, though, this stuff. Because then everyone jumps on the bandwagon and it's like... And I've seen people that... You know when you... It's never nice, right? The one of the things about Twitter that I don't like is when you see someone that you quite respect say something like really stupid mm. and you think, oh, like, because I saw somebody tweet about it and say how ridiculous it was, like ridiculous it was and how like she's not understood the tone of what's going on in the world at the moment. And I think, Halloween, people literally dress up as murderers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, literally, that's what the idea of Halloween is. I don't know why... I think the big mistake is is holding basically normal people to a higher standard. Like they're just like they're actors, entertainers, like what makes them who have got a bit of money. Yeah. 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 Cause she like hired in somebody to, to organize the I party. I really don't care. I bet it was a good crack, the party. I bet it was. Well, you should care, Has You can't be on a topical debate show and not care about topical debates. I think I can there's not the, care about, the there, are, there are more <laughs> important things to care about. <laughs> Like the stray hair that was on your beard. It's, it's gone, gone now. Oh, yeah, you made me so I, paranoid. I, I'm, in, I'm in your head now, aren't I? My beard's longer than it's been for a while, has, isn't it? Yeah, it's looking. Do you like it? It's good. looks good. Do you like it or not? Do you yes. think it's better when it's a bit shorter? I think it goes with the long hair, if I'm honest. Thanks, mate. Yeah. So that reminds me of a story, actually. There's this bloke in the gym, right? The gym that I go to. And I've been complete, like completely convinced that for a while now that he's an absolute moron. Yeah, like I think he just thinks he's the absolute best out of everybody. Like I go in there, he's got all this stuff set up. He's doing all. He sometimes he does this like kung fu stuff, just shadow, right? And he's an, in my head. I think he's a. He thinks he's better than everybody. Right? Yeah, absolute knob. Yeah. Um, and I've thought that quite strongly about him every yeah. time I see him. I was in the changing rooms the other day and uh, I've never spoke to him before. I sort of nod at him and say hello because I'm two-faced. Do you know what I mean? But he said to me, um, that took a while to get your hair like that, didn't it? And I was like, yeah. 
yeah, it took a couple of years. I said it was really long, and then I cut it all off, and then I, then I grew it back. And he said, um, he said I'd really like to give it a go having my hand like that. He said, but I couldn't pull it off like you. He said, you know, you've really got the look down to a T. And he said, you know, your tattoos look good. He said your beard with the the beard with the hair. He said I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull it off. And I was like, ah, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, no, that I appreciate that. And he goes, yeah, yeah. You wear it really well. Well done, mate. Oh, so basically you hate everyone until they give you a compliment. <laughs> and then you're and I just, like, when he went, I just thought I completely judged him, right? And then when, actually when I started, because I look at it and I say to myself, why was I so horrible about this bloke that's clearly very nice, right? And he's sort of taken the time to say them things to me. Um, and it's because I, when I go in the gym, I be arrogant. I, I tap into an arrogance in me that makes me, but I'm always self-conscious in there. I'm always worried about what I look like. I try to act like I'm not and like I'm just getting on with my, and I'd never be able to do um, like shadow Kung Fu in there because I'd think everyone thinks I'm a knob. So what's the moral of this tale? Just don't be such a judgmental knob all the time and, yeah. and try not to think. See the best, see the best in mind. people. Yeah. But also, uh, I, I just, just focus on yourself. Yeah. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Yeah. Like, don't worry about Chrissy Dagan having a party. I mean, I, I think that's a different context, right? Because yeah. that broadcast. But yeah, I think I think it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Easy to say, hard to do. Yeah. Because we are all judgmental. Like, you know, there's naturally the parts of ourselves take over and we do become judgmental. Yeah. And even the the most virtuous people who say they aren't and they kind of live yeah. this perfect life, everyone everyone has judgment yeah. in, in their eyes. It's hard. You can't not because we, yeah. we just don't live in a utopian world. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes good to like when you get smacked in the face like that, like I did, right, when he done that, it did, it did make me reflect, you know, and you kind of feel like you grow a little bit as a result. Like genuinely, like I do think that because... Um, I can be so judgmental when I'm not careful. And obviously that's not when I'm in my core self, right? That's, there's something going on in my world when I'm worrying about the dude at the gym, right? I've mm. over-egged it a little bit. It's mm. not every time I go in there, I think, oh, he's mm. here again. Mm. But I, I did have those, mm. you know, judgmental thoughts. Do, do you know, um, I think this happens a lot, um, sometimes under the guise of generosity. So let me just explain that a little bit. You know, um, when you see some homeless people sitting outside, say, a supermarket, yeah, okay, and they're asking for some help, they're asking for some money or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then you get people who won't give them money, they'll go and give them some food. Yeah. And why have they given them food, Josh? Um, because they don't want to give them money because they think they'll go and buy drugs and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, but they haven't had a conversation with them. They haven't determined that they're helping them because yeah. they've asked for that help. They've just made a judgment that they'll just go and spend it on uh, booze or drugs because they know what's best for them. Have we talked about this before? In the oh, I sort of think that maybe we might I, have done in the past. Have, yeah. But that's the, you know, that's the thing. We all judge. Even when we think we're like being good, we judge. Yeah. So now, like, I will try and have a conversation. There are times when I just um, uh, will uh, not stop and have a conversation because I yeah. haven't got the time to stop. But I'm yeah. okay with... Like some people feel like um, they can't be comfortable that it's not always going to be the right moment for you in that moment. But I never, ever, ever don't, you know, if I'm going to give them money and they've asked for it, then I will. I'm not going to say, oh, let me buy you some food instead. Yeah, because what I want to know, what, yeah. And because that that's a big judgment as well. Huge. To say, I know what's right for you in this moment. Somebody who, you know, you don't know what's happened in their life. 
and what they need to get through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Who are yeah. we to make a call? Either don't give them anything. That's up to you. Yeah. Or um, uh, like meet them at the level that they're meeting you at. It yeah. is not easy for people to ask for something from yeah. people that they don't know. Yeah, yeah. So don't judge them. Yeah, and there, there's that. There's certain versions of that, right, as well. In you know, I always talk about don't jump to fix, don't try and change people. We do that as well, right? When it, you know, the moment I say to you, you should do this, like Cass, you should do this, right? I think you should start doing this. I'm making a judgment, right? I'm saying I know what's right for you, so I know what, and I know what's wrong for you, right? Rather than actually a more collective society, a more compassionate society is one that hold space for each other in a way that helps you to explore what you need, right? Mm -hmm. That's coaching as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bloody good conversation. Has there's, there's a, there's, I wanted to go to a good place with um, where we're gonna go with the rest of this podcast today. I wanted to have um, a conversation. You had that weekend with your son, this weekend, yeah. which was interesting that you finished, when you described it, you finished by saying it, what did you say it sounds like? Bit naff or corny or something. Yeah, a bit nerdy. Bit nerdy. What? Just because you went out with your son? No, it's just because we went to the science museum and we and we just oh, nerded we nerded went, out together. Yeah, we yeah, did yeah. nerd out together a bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 Um, and the 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 thing that got me thinking about it right is some of the stuff that's going on in my life at the moment. My my daughter who's five has just started. Like she got picked to go to a sports camp recently and so me and my wife went to watch and her mum and dad came to watch and stuff like that um, and it's got me reflecting uh on who i am as a parent and funnily enough a lot of the work that i've been doing lately in the corporate space right has ended up in conversations around what it means to be a parent and what that looks like and what a good parent looks like and all that kind of stuff so let me ask you this if you had to rate yourself out of 10 as a dad what the? That's your son calling. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. Uh, if you had to... <laughs> I love that. If you... <laughs> yeah. oh, that was like a deal or no deal. Yeah. No, it's the so... banker. It's the banker. <laughs> <laughs> That's his son calling. Uh, it's your son calling. <laughs> Get it right, uh, Phone a friend, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you had to rate yourself out of 10 as a dad, what, what rating would you give yourself? Um, Be as honest as you can. Yeah, I'm going to think about it. I would say six and a half. Okay. Six and a half. So just over, just over the halfway mark. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would plant myself somewhere around six. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is that so low for you? It's quite low, really. It is it, low. It wouldn't be a very good rating if you were playing football, right? Yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean, if somebody gave you that rating in the paper. Yeah. So, so why why do you pit it that low? Um, I think there's a natural humility, right? That like, you yeah. know, we just enter these kind of things. If you ask me, you know, like I'm going to bring a bit of that. So I'll just be honest about that. Um, I think there are, uh, there are sacrifices I'm making in trying to kind of, you know, in the work that I'm doing and building the business um, that heavily contribute to, you know, to that number. So, uh, I think I am not as present yeah. as I should be in the yeah. moments that I'm I'm there in body. You know, um, I'm sort of I have a I have a big energy in the house, so I, f I feel there. But I know that like sometimes I'm not fully there because I'm thinking about something else. Um, 
I uh, probably um, have some of my nurture uh, in me as a parent. So what that means is how I was nurtured as a child influences how I parent. So mm. I think that sort of comes in. Um, and I can I can potentially sometimes, um, uh, you know, kind of all my, I have three kids, as I've probably talked about, and a puppy. Did I mention that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I can sometimes, you know, uh, forget their individuality and just mm. kind of morph them into just my kids. And I think um, I'm working hard on, on that um, at the moment. Um, so those are the things that would bring the number down. But I think the the reason I'm not a three or a four is because I do, you know, I do make sure I spend time with them every day. We have meals together. We we goof about. We spend a lot of time with each other, even if that's just sort of, you know, sitting around together and, you know, chewing the fat. Um, and I'm around at weekends and, you know, I'm not off traveling and stuff like that. And uh, I pay attention to them. How often do you sit down at the table as a whole family? Do you do that every day? Is that if would you say that's like close to five, six, seven times a week? Probably every day. Every day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you reckon that's common now? Because I make a I make a real point of making sure that it happens in my house. But I wonder how common it is. Listen, I I think it's too difficult to um, to be able to point to whether it's common or not because I think. Uh, it's really down to people's circumstances. Right? Yeah. So, you, you know, single parents, co-parenting, mm. people, parents that have to wear, have like, you know, more than one job, um, you know, uh, different ages of children. Mm. You know, there's, there's just so, there's so much. I don't, I just, don't, I don't think it's as common as I have it. Let's, yeah. let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. So we're quite lucky to be able to do it actually when you, when very, you look at it in that way. Very lucky. Very lucky. And when you talk about that kind of nurturing and the stuff about like how you were nurtured yep. when you were a child, like I'll, I'll, I'll address the elephant in the room probably. Me and you both grew up without a dad. Yeah. So did you ever have, did did you ever have father figure in your life when you was a kid? Um, lots of, uh, you know, in, in, in Asian culture, you have uncles, aunties. They're not really your uncles or aunties, but they're sort of, in, you know, you're part of a community. A lot of my mates... Uh, my dad's mates that he came to this country with were around. Um, so there were some male figures, but it was really sporadic and quite autocratic. Right? What does that so, mean? Tell um, me what I mean. So sporadic being, it would be like whenever they visited yeah. as opposed to being consistent yeah, yeah. present in my in, in my life. And then it would be because there was this sort of judgment on a single mum. In those days, It was a, they, I, they probably didn't think my mum was going to be able to cope. So... You had this patriarchy, uh, um, uh, you know, would, that would come in and sort of just basically act like I was their son and like do this and do that and whatever. Mm. Um, and it's just because my mum was really strong, is really strong, but in particular in those formative years that, you know, that she was able to help mould me in a particular way. But um, there wasn't really a consistent male presence. My mum, you know, when, when, when my dad passed away, my mum was 27 which even just saying it out loud is just crazy, right? She was just yeah. a baby herself, really. She had two kids. I was 10 months old. My you were 10 months old when he passed away? Yeah, I was 10 wow. months old. My sister was six. My dad was just 37. Wow. And um, and my mum had only been in the country seven years. 
Um, so she didn't. Yeah. She she came in those days. You came to be like a you know a home builder. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that was what she was doing. And uh, and then obviously the whole world completely changed because there was no warning sign. My dad just had a heart attack and then he wasn't around. You know. And uh, shit. So he didn't get. He didn't yeah. get. Do you know, actually, I have to. I, I I I feel terrible. Actually, there was a there was a consistent male figure in in my in my house. I think you've talked. Yeah, about that and I I was sort of I went to one particular space. No, there was um, a very very present male figure in my house um, for me, and it was a guy called Noel Hines, and um, he was my dad's best mate, and they worked together, and he was a he was a, he was a guy that um, moved over from Ireland in the uh, 60s and him and my dad just struck up a friendship which was quite unusual in those days um and uh he was present in my life all the way up until when he passed away last year so he was like consistently present in your yeah. life right yeah but he wasn't there he wasn't there every day I would imagine. no 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 he wasn't there yeah. every day he was but you know every birthday every christmas him yeah. and his wife pat um were like always there yeah and so we always felt they were there so he was the closest thing i had to Mm. Uh, a male sort of role model. Yeah. So, you d but so there was, there was nothing like on a day to day basis. No. Really. No. Yeah. So how do you, you? How old were you when your first child was born? Uh, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. So your first child's thirty two now. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I got my son strong. <laughs> so you're 28, so that's quite yeah. young, right? Actually, similar age to your dad, right? Yeah. When, you, when you lost him as well. How, like, how does a young man who's just had children, who never had a father figure properly, do you think it impacts the way that you parent? Or not having a dad? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, growing up, it was it was a lot of it was about survival mm. for us you know so for my mum just keeping food on the table keeping mm. us clothed and watered and fed and mm. going to school and all that sort of stuff so there wasn't extracurricular stuff it wasn't you know it there was there was no sp space for her understandably to mm. um to kind of grow me further than that the rest we had yeah. to kind of take care of and I don't want to do my mum a disservice. Like that, what she did was incredible. And you know, yeah, you know, to be here where I am today is entirely because she basically played both roles. Yeah. Um, so I think I didn't have a sort of a physical male presence on a daily basis. I mm. picked it up from people like Noel. I picked it up from other places, and then obviously whatever I picked up from my mum. And then I think it's just about intuition, you know. So I think. Um, uh, just being um just being raised by two women i think just made me a bit more empathetic and compassionate than maybe if i didn't you know if i had a male figure maybe that might have influenced me slightly differently in how i mm. was raised how i ended up being and then you, it's just it's just i think for me it was just intuition you just you know you just do what you need to do and you just sort of step in and step yeah. up i guess yeah 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 do you have any regrets as a dad as a father um i think i don't live i'm not somebody that lives life with regrets because i think there's not a lot you can do with regrets and mm -hmm. um of course i have you know moments in my life where i think oh, sh i wish i could have done things differently but i don't spend too much time because yeah i like to keep looking forward um 
I think uh, what I was talking about in terms of nur nurture is we we lived very home body lives. We didn't go out. We didn't. I wasn't encouraged into sport. Mm. I didn't. Um, my mum was quite um, protective in terms of just you know like me going out in the area and playing football and stuff like that just because it was not it was pretty rough you know yeah so I spent probably more time indoors and I'd be just you know and I think that's just wired its way into my DNA so if if I have the choice I think I would probably just rather chill yeah and so I have to wire myself into kind of getting up and going out I think because I was never really uh you know I didn't really excel at any sport I didn't. I didn't do it consistently, so that it became a habit, and then the habit became something of joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not wired into me in the same way, and I think maybe that's somehow filtered its way through to my children. Not intentionally, but of course they do things. But I think I look at some parents, and their kids are off doing all these things, all these sports, all these, you know. Um, and I know that you know, and I, and I look at people who are my peers who have these incredible hobbies. They run, they play tennis, they mm. go climbing, and that starts at a young age. Not always. I think you know, yeah. you do pick them up yeah, yeah. skiing or something like that. I think I've always looked at and thought, oh, that'd be fun, but we just never did it. Mm. I never did it, and then you know, it's, it's consequently, I haven't really introduced children to it. So I think one of the things I'm pointing to is some of the things that I didn't learn or I didn't kind of make as part of my you know armory of knowledge yeah i haven't pushed myself to you know push my kids towards that yeah i relate to that that some of the like dad guilt that i get is i'll sometimes say no to my kids about stuff because i don't want to deal with the anxiety and vulnerability that comes with perhaps trying to sort it out so i'll sort of just not let it happen do you know what i mean yeah do you relate to yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah definitely and i i, I sort of even caught myself uh, caught myself doing something at the weekend when we were on the tube. I was with um, Robin, and he loves like any kids, like just like jumping on, like swinging from the from the handlebars. Yeah. And there's a part of me that like likes. I think I had conditioning about showing up, behaving yourself when you're in yeah. public. It's a very ingrained thing yeah, in, yeah. in terms of our family and our culture. So I was like, oh, like I was almost like, come on, like you know. Um, People are going to get on. It's going to get busy. But it wasn't at that moment. Yeah. So, so like, what, have so fun. What worried about. Yeah. 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 And I was about to kind of say, come on. And then I just left him. Yeah. And then, you know, but it was definitely playing with me, like thinking, oh, what are people going to think of your own insecurities? You yeah. push, you see how easily you push yeah. them onto your kids. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I certainly do that. Like I look at my eldest daughter. She's like, like, she won't mind me saying it, but she's like cripplingly shy. And I struggle, I want to like shield her, do you know what I mean? I want to like be, I can see how shy she is. I know what it's like to feel that like mm. cripplingly like shameful stuff. So I try and shield her if I'm not careful from circumstances where she probably just needs to stretch herself and go into them spaces and, and learn to kind of maneuver through them. Yeah. But my own anxiety onto her, I pull it off of her. Yeah. There's definitely some parallels with yeah. yeah with my eldest as well. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but also that's the thing that we do that we project, and we have to remember that we've gone through life. Yeah, like I know you th you say I'm 74. I have 74 years of wisdom. <laughs> you have, you're 67. Um, but so our knowingness knowingness comes from experience, from intuition. Our knowingness. So we know that actually life's not that bad. Actually, just we know that actually just just go and 
test the water a little bit, push past your boundaries. Yeah. So we kind of try and push that on because we want their we want the best for them. Mm. But actually, they don't know that yet. They haven't learned that for themselves. So suddenly, like just because you say it so doesn't mean it is so. Yeah. For them, so that, that's the thing we need to really understand because we can say, well, look, listen, it's not that bad. You can just go and. You know, I know I know you're feeling shy, but just just go and say like you know. Yeah. And I think that's like, it's a it's a fine line between being supportive and actually just not letting them be there, you know. Yeah. Who they need to be. Yeah, and it's hard as well, right? Because if you look at like the brain science behind it, in that a child's brain is when it's born is not formed, right? And so we do a lot, a lot as adults. We have a tendency to live too much I think in our rational part of our brain and we will interact with our children from that rational part of our brain and they don't even have that part yet. And they're still in the emotional part of the brain. Mm. So when you look at like a teenager that always reacts overly emotional to everything, right? It's not that they, it's not that they don't want to understand you or anything like that. It's because that part of their brain to, to help them fully rationalize that doesn't even, doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. And I think that's like, um, quite misunderstood when when your parents right and i i remember when my eldest children my elder children when they were born they're just a big ball of emotion right and i i didn't know how to deal with that when i was younger and i remember i used to think i can't wait till they get a bit older and start talking to me because what i what i meant was is i don't know how to be with them in their emotions so i can't wait for them to get a, a, like a part of their rational part of their brain yeah so i can interact with them on that level yeah um and if I'm not careful, I still I can still think a little bit like that with all of my kids. I can still think like I can't wait till they're adults, right? Because then they'll really understand the world and they'll be able to they'll be able to understand a bit better why I might not have shown up in the ways that I like probably should have done. And I also think that I find it uh, harder to parent my boys than I do to parent my girls. And I think that's to do with the father stuff. As in, uh, I find it very, I find it much easier to go and be vulnerable with my daughter, mm. come and have a cuddle, be with me, mm. than I do when my, my, you know, if my son comes up, I could sometimes get a little bit like punchy in the arm, like, you're all right, son, mm. on his head. Because mm. I never, I've got no idea what it's like to be a young boy and have a dad sit me on his lap and cuddle me into him. Like literally, and, and I don't think people look at this and think about this. I never had that. I don't know what it feels like. Yeah. I never had it. Yeah. Not consistently from your own dad. Like, you know, I it's think, I think, I don't I care think, what anyone says, yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different yeah. when it's not your real yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't really have that challenge no. with mine. Um, but I don't know, I don't know why that is, mm. but I think, he's really sensitive and mm. young and funny and you know and like he leans into it everything at some you want to be he's everything yeah 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 i live be. my life for him <laughs> sensitive young and funny it's <laughs> just the dream um so uh, but you know there'll come a time where he just won't be as interested so i'm really constantly reminding myself of one day he won't want to hug me yeah one day he won't want to walk down the street and hold my hand like yeah. that's cool you know how old is he now he's nine yeah just turned nine and how old's your eldest uh she's 12 just turned 12 oh right yeah you got it all to come then You're yeah like, yeah just going into does that scare you the teenagers um 
I haven't really thought enough about it, mate, to be honest. Um, uh, it's definitely shifting, you know, it feels different, but yeah, I'm okay with it for now. Yeah, you wait. <laughs> yeah, cheers. <laughs> my eldest is yeah, my eldest is thirteen, mate, and it's uh, I I don't know, mate. She does your daughter look at you like you're an alien yet? There are definite moments, but we've definitely uh, we definitely had a, a drift moment for a while, and lately, ever since kind of um, she went sort of to to new school, I've I've tried to be different with her, and it's better way better like what have you changed then what do you mean you tried to be different i i think i talked about this on maybe a few episodes ago where i realized um that what i was doing was bringing a lot of negative energy downstairs after a day's work yeah and that yeah, was yeah, kind did, of informing yeah. our relationship and i've just really worked hard not to bring that energy mm. and just be more curious be more m more interested not be on her case for the s silly things so that when we do talk about stuff that we need to talk about, it's it's got more meaning. You yeah. know, if you keep saying, oi, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? It loses its meaning yeah. and impact. Mm. So, um, and I think I appreciate more that uh, she needed to find a groove in how we communicate. Mm. You know, I'm conscious that not everyone that listens to us is a parent or anywhere near parenting or has any interest in it. But I think this is all about relatability and human to human kind of uh, yeah. uh, interaction, right? So, so listening to somebody, meeting them at their level, not always looking for what's going wrong, but actually looking for that little, you know, that little nugget yeah. of what's going right. And really zoning in on that and reinforcing. We talk about something called the psychological contract in our work, right. which is basically, you know, that implicit relationship with you have with somebody or you have with a group of people that, you know, it takes time to build it. But when you build it, it's so tight, you know, it's such a strong bond. Do you think I got I was at a school last week, right? And I, I was uh, in the evening. I did I, I did the parents. Right. So I did a presentation to the parents. There was I don't know how many was there, probably 20 or 30 parents. And one of the questions to me was um, doing the work that you do in schools with young people. What's uh, the most difficult learning that you've had? And you know what came straight to my head is, and the head teacher, I think she was the assistant head, was sort of at the side of the stage while I did the whole thing. And she straight away was like, oh my God, I've never heard anybody say that, but that's true for me. And I was like, I said, the most difficult learning is how naturally it comes to me to be there for all these young people when they come out and how I can do that psychological contract and I can hold space for them and I'm like, just let them take me into their space and be there for them and how that and I said and how naturally it comes to me when I'm at school but how sometimes I don't do that at home mm -hmm. and it like when I I'd, I'd never said it before mm. and when I said it I was like fuck like that's so real for me and so true for me my wife said it to me before by the way I think mm. I might have said that mm. she'll often say them lot out there get the best of you sometimes right do you relate to that? Does that? Yeah, like, I think we've actually talked about. Yeah, maybe. Why do you think it is? What do you? What like? I, I, so look, here's what I think. I think it's a lot to do with. I think our our wounding from when we're children comes up in our attachment, right? So it comes up in our relationships, our meaningful uh, relationships where we're actually seeking attachment from them, right? Yeah. 
So when I'm in that space, it becomes a lot more difficult for me. Um, but there's also a piece around being something for everybody else, right? And then sort of almost taking that mask off when you're walking through the front door. Yeah. And then everyone gets that like yeah. shit version of you yeah. almost. You know we I mean? don't we don't reserve any energy. Yeah. Right. So 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 we should always hold back a little bit in reserve. You never want to get to the little red bit on your on your phone, right? Like you need to have enough so that you always stay in the green. Right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And what so we don't. And what we do is we run ourselves into the red. So by the time we get to the people, and that might be your kids, it might be your partner, it might be your friends, it might be whoever it is. Yeah. Because you've spent all of your energy being this version because it's important to you. Mm. It's not It's not that it lacks importance or it has no impact, but you give so much of it away so that by the time you come, you almost feel like, oh, I've got nothing left and I just yeah. want to be myself. But it isn't yourself. It's your run-down, depleted, almost, your battery's almost dying. Yeah. So actually, if all we need to do is just, I've been, definitely been working hard. It doesn't come naturally. You just have to get to that point where you go, okay, that's, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to, yeah give more of this good self and there's a truth to you know the fact that um when we go into the world on a daily basis it's because people are buying what we have right, yeah to give yeah and sometimes it isn't just they're not just buying just who we are it's about the service and the support and the yeah. coaching that we provide so the best of us is being we operate at a different level it's not just being it's we have to put on all the stuff that we've learned and we have to put on all, and then it has to be applicable to that person in that moment at mm. that time mm. so yeah that they, they do you know in the moment if you needed to show up as a dad for example if your family was put at risk you would get they would get the best of you in that moment yeah so it's like you've got to reframe why it is you need to be the best of yourself does yeah. that make sense yeah, it does make sense because yeah. when you're out in the world you're getting paid to do it you're it's the job you do it's your vocation it's your calling it's your purpose yeah but when you come at home, you're just dad or you're just partner, you're just husband yeah, or whatever and um, uh, or wife or whatever. And, and, and basically it's understanding that there needs to be, you know, the, the purpose to be the best version of yourself in that moment as well. Yeah. Do, do you know what? I think de devices have a massive impact on this. Do you think the devices in the home, right, have actually removed some of the 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 prevents your home being the sanctuary that it once was before you had the internet and, and being overly connected all the time in your home. Yeah. When you think about that on that level and in that space, our home should be our sanctuary. I almost feel like in a, in a, in a better world, there'd be a box at the door. And when you walked in to be with your family, you'd, you'd put all your devices in there. I know people that do that. Do you? Yeah. People sort of like, not necessarily, a, maybe not a box, but like there are people that just, um, when it comes to like half six, they just put their, like the phones are gone. Yeah, I, I mean, I do that, right? So I try the best that I can often to switch yeah. it and put it on the side, but the temptation's always there. So yeah. it doesn't happen anywhere near as much as it should, right? Yeah. And it's almost like, you, when it doesn't, by the way, I'm not there. Yeah. I may as well be not, not be there at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'd be better off not being there. Yeah. Because then my kids would just think I'm not there and I'm at work, not yeah. why, don't, why won't he look at me? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's there's a there's a big thing around that and the way that the world's changing and that links into something i want to ask you as well you know you said like within your culture and that you had this kind of community aspect where there were people that were there yeah do you have that in your family now like if i said to your to your to your kids like 
do they have uncles and aunties like you used to that weren't where your real uncles and aunties or whatever? Um, not to the same level. No. I think it was a product of the environment and the time. Um, we're definitely, you know, I don't, you know, it was very tight knit community. Yeah. We don't, we just, you know, I just, yeah, I'm not like that, but the kids know that there are people who are important to me that are important yeah. in their lives. Do you think though, the, the absence of that community, right? So that, you know, you had that tight, is that a positive or a negative? Do you see that or do you just see it as you don't look at it in either light? Do you think that, do you think that you could do with more, a bit more community? Or do you think you've got enough within your family? Uh, I think it's a double-edged sword because, you know, the community was there and it gave it gave safe space, right, and and, and protection. Yeah. You know, we, we'd go out for days out together and stuff like that. And that meant that we got outings when we might not have if it was just me, my mum yeah, and my sister. Yeah. But then there's this, this also thing of community where they feel like they've got a right to have an opinion on stuff that they don't have a right yeah. to have an opinion on. But if you ask me to make a decision on it today, I, I'm a I believe in community. I love I love yeah. community. I love having people around me, and um, you know, and I feel like you know, I I feel personally like I've I've got community, um, and they probably do have their own versions of, of their own communities. Yeah, but yeah, we just yeah. don't have a these. This is my parents' community, therefore it's our community. Yeah, it's for another podcast. I think that the whole community conversation, but I really do. I'm more and more, I feel so strongly about the need to reinvent community mm. because it's gone in the way that you, in that way that you're talking about then. Right. And of course there was negative aspects to it and all that sort of stuff. But that community aspect of what we used to have is, is really just going and being completely removed from society. I, I think, I think that that sort of level of community still exists. I'm just not a part of it. Right. So I still think that say, um, it's quite, you know, insular, um, locking arms and facing in community still happens a lot with immigrant communities. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, but obviously I've sort of, you know, I've stepped away a bit. I've moved to Brighton, you know, so, so I've had a lot of kind of geographical changes and things like that. I think, um, uh, there are kind of parts of, uh, culture and religion that I was raised in that I just, you know, I don't associate with and that's yeah. led to me stepping away from it. But yeah, it still exists. Yeah, it does. But I think generally speaking, I think on a broader scale, it, it, it's it, it's dying out. Do you mean that? Because I think it means slightly something slightly different for English community versus. So when I, you, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but I think when some English people talk about it, it's because it, it, you know, you know, that sort of community where you would sort of grow up together, live in the same area, you know, that sort of shifted a little bit because as immigration happened, lots of kind of parts of society started to leave. So say East End community, you know, was very strong, very tight when it was very East End English. And then obviously mm -hmm. you had like, you know, you had um, Jewish immigrants, you had Bangladeshi immigrants and Asians mm -hmm. and then, you know, Caribbean people from the I Caribbean. Do, do you know one so thing? people moved out and that's kind of when they refer to like community, which is a bit nebulous anyway, but you know, that's when it started to kind of- Yeah, you're, I mean, you're talking very city orientated here, right? You can tell, very, I can tell very much from what you're saying, you grew up at, like in London. Yeah. I didn't grow up in London. Yeah. So I grew up in a small town. Yeah, 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 sure. Right, sure. where you had like, 
uh, where I grew up in Swindon, there was a place called Pinehurst and a place called Penhill and yeah. a place called Walcott. Yeah. And like they had, they had their own communities yeah. within the small towns, yeah. right? And you had a community center and you had like, I don't know, Penhill would turn their own Christmas lights on at Christmas right. and all that kind of right, stuff, right. yeah? Yeah, yeah. That, that's all going. Yeah. Like you had your youth clubs. Yeah. And you had your like community fundraisers. And I feel like that's that that like the, the powers structures that you had within those small communities is being decimated by like, yeah. as it all moves more into yeah. one more centralized, like capitalist environment. I know I'm going there again, but but the, the power is, is being all sapped out of the small groups of power and it's all taken up in, I, in, in that I, one place. I think also it's, it's a product of the times as well. It's not mm. just about the capitalism. No, 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 know, no. It's, it's not. It's about you know we've become way more digital as a society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Christmas shopping, for example, would have been like rushing around, and you know, it's like part of the fun was the chaos, and you'd and go seeing and seeing everyone out and, and stuff. And yeah, exactly. Stuff. Yeah, and it's now people are just doing it online. You know, Amazon yeah, Prime. There's a lot. You know, there's there's our behaviors have shifted. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different reasons why, right? And I think that online is probably one of the biggest ones, right? But I do think with all of that, when you take it, what we've got, and I know we're short time, but when you take that, what is clear is that community, for whatever reasons, I believe communities are getting smaller and smaller, right? Yeah. They're, they're becoming non-existent. Well, interestingly, and I think this is for, uh, for, 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 for another one, um, and I, I have to like caveat with, uh, I don't know anything about this and I'm just going on a journey of discovery, but I think the whole emergence of the metaverse and NFT community and is yeah. is the emergence of something that's really interesting around yeah. community. Yeah, yeah. And a big part of it is, is I think the notion that boomers stole all the wealth, all of the opportunity, um, the last dregs of it were taken by Generation X, which hasn't met, which has meant that opportunity um, for ownership and for kind of a bit of wealth uh, creation, particularly for the ones that haven't been born into it, um, has been really, really difficult for mm. like millennials and say Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. And I think the emergence of these communities is going to be something really interesting around kind of making it more democratic uh, for them to kind of mm. take some of that back. Yeah. I, do, I think I, that's really exciting. I do think it's exciting, yeah. And it's very online. It's very... Oh, it's different. Yeah, yeah it's very, very different. different. Um so yeah, look, maybe that's going to be one of the ways that takes us towards that. But I, do, I, I definitely think that we need to do as much as we can to try and rejuvenate that. And it's not going to look like it used to, you know. I, yeah. I say I don't think kids would use youth clubs anymore if you just if you went right, let's invest and bring back loads of youth clubs. I don't think they would get used in the way that they used to be, yeah. right? Um, so there's lots of different things to think about in terms of that. But I do think that communities need coming back. And just to kind of wrap this whole conversation up, I think. I do think we, we, we need to have more conversations about things like parenthood, particularly as men, right? Because I don't think we do it very often, right? We don't reflect. I was out on my bike not that long ago, well, it probably was ages ago now, talking to my older brother about, you know, what being a dad means to him. And he was talking about some of the things that he struggles with. And, and I just thought, wow, this is like a really meaningful conversation. And we don't often have it, mm. right? I don't, and and... You know, for people that grew up fatherless, and I had a load of statistics that I was going to read out, but, it's, you know, it's a quite a lot of people that grow up fatherless and probably need 
direction and need some help and support in being a father because they don't know what it means. Yeah. They don't really know how to do it. And you do look for, am I doing it right? And looking on Instagram and seeing somebody post how brilliant their life is as a dad or whatever, it ain't going to help you, is it? Yeah. So you need them them important. And I've had some really powerful ones over the last few weeks with, I, with men. About I, it. I would say as somebody that grew up without a dad, I've always felt that there's stuff missing in my toolkit. Yeah, so have I. You, let me just say this very quickly. I, like I remember once when I went to change the oil on the car and, my, and I think I've said this to you before, yeah. like it, it's not instinctual for me to go, let me take my daughter and, and show her, like and let her be there with me while I empty the oil in the car. Yeah. Like I think, why would you like, yeah. Yeah. Why would I bring her out to do that? Yeah. My, my version of that is when I'm cooking. I was about to say, do, yeah. you, do you get them in and yeah, show like, them how yeah, to cook? And like, like, and it's funny because like, I remember Erin went away once. I think it was like, um, like, you know, it was a birthday weekend or something, one of her family. And so I had the kids and then I sort of um, sent a picture of some blueberry muffins. Mm. She said to me, do you do it with the kids? I was, no, no, I just bake them for them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I needed yeah, it to do. It doesn't come instinctually no, to I just want, right? my, my thing was, what I learned from my mum was, she'd make these amazing samosas and, and, and like onion bhajis or whatever, yeah, pakoras, yeah. and then you just go, mm, that's really nice. So in my, in my wiring, I'm just like, oh, provide nice things for, yeah. and actually it's the experience of getting there. Exactly, yeah. Leah does it, says that, that I can hear Leah saying that to me now, did you do that with the kids? And I'll yeah. be like, nah. nah. I didn't even think about yeah. doing it with the kids. I've just done it. Yeah, so look, that, that even that that little bit there, I think is like people need to hear that kind of stuff because uh, because I think it's just useful to know that we're not alone. Look, we are very much close to time. You've been doing the looking shiftily at the clock for the last... <laughs> I did it once. Oh my God. <laughs> no, you did do it once. Get reasons to be cheerful, Has. Reasons to be cheerful. You want me to go first? If you want, yeah. Uh if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. <laughs> now, I, I, I told you this story before we came up today. Um, let me just say, uh, at the weekend, uh, just as I was heading to uh, London, um, get coming coming in, uh, walking to Brighton Station, um, just about to run on a train, I took a route that I wouldn't normally take. And um, just as I got to the front of the station, uh, somebody called out my name and uh, it was a friend of mine who doesn't live in Brighton, who was just there for the weekend. It was just by complete coincidence, because I was running a bit late anyway, uh, that we just happened to be at the same time, at the, uh, in the same place at the same time. It was a friend that I haven't seen probably for eight to 10 years. Wow. Um, and it was one of my best friends growing up and it was just a lovely moment. And uh, I think it was meant to be. I think we, I was supposed to be late. I was supposed to take the slightly different route. Yeah. He was supposed to kind of be there um, in the moment and it was just a lovely 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 moment I love it love it shit title great great reason to be cheerful brilliant title <laughs> beat, beat that then pop uh, that one I don't have a title uh, as usual uh, as usual yeah um, didn't I put, just, put I any just, thought into it then no no I just let my stories and my narrative do the better talk. be a good story then it's not a story or a narrative um <laughs> I'm doing a men's, uh, a men's, creating a men's space this evening. We've got, I think there's about, uh, when I last heard, nearly 30 men have signed up uh, for an event at Uncommon in Borough in London. Uh, Going to bring some some men together in a powerful space, do some techniques to help us with, you know, uh, emotional uh, release and, and processing of our emotions. 
looking at some breath work, going to introduce the idea of understanding all the parts of ourselves to them. And I'm really looking forward to doing that in a space that's in person um, and just seeing where that can go. It's going to be something that I want to do a lot more of. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, on top of that, I launched the next Inner You after the first successful one. Last time I launched an F1 Love I just said, your reason oh, to be cheerful is just, plug it, is just plugging your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be cheery about that. If, uh... So we'll link below how you can sign up. Uh, no, no, we won't link, but but from a personal perspective, yeah. you know that yeah. it's, it's a big thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of people say a lot of... There's a lot of narrative in the in 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 the media that men need to talk more, and we all know that that's true because um, for for too long, for decades, yeah, just you know, hundreds of years actually, it's just not been kind of part of the the, the makeup. So just to create some some space to to show up in the way that you show up, I think is really powerful. Thank and you. if thirty men walk out doing uh, more of that, then that's just going to have a, you know a butterfly effect, which is you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the same is true of this, right? In this space that we've just created here and the conversations that we've had here, people might go and have those conversations with other people as well. Yep. Has this been brilliant? I've enjoyed it. It's been a calm, chilled out, vulnerable space. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan.